Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Player to Prospect podcast. The following episode features a conversation with Eric Suplee, a pitching coach at University of San Francisco in San Francisco, California. To support the podcast, go to playertoprospect.com. That's player two, the number two, prospect.com. And now I present to you Eric Suplee. So Eric Suplee, right? I said that right? Yeah, that's good. That'll work. Yes. Wait, okay. Is that what? what's it? Uh, what have you always gone by? Uh, so it's weird. Every, everybody calls me Soup, but my last okay. name is Suplee. Okay, yeah. So Suplee. Mm, right, right, right. Yeah, I, it, it looked like <laughs> Suplee. You know, that's why I didn't want to get it wrong, you know, uh, as as the host of, of yeah, this Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're good. So, it, was a, it was a valiant effort. Yes. So uh, <laughs> Soup, you know, uh, Coach Suplee um for for how your players will call you um i guess what is um what is or in your eyes what is your experience at usf been like so far uh well it's been kind of interesting coming in with with everything that's happened before but um our head coach was hired uh roughly towards the end of june and I was hired a couple weeks afterwards. So it's kind of been like a little bit of a whirlwind with um, having having to do some uh, some work with, you know, bringing in some transfers at the end of the summer to fill some roster holes and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I think also getting a, a later start on the 23 class and trying to patch some things up with that as well. Um, yeah, that, that part was kind of interesting rolling through like the end of July and early August. And then, um, actually I had a honeymoon planned, uh, uh, in the middle of August that actually ran over when our school started. So, um, wow. Yeah. I had the choice of (laughs) canceling that and hiring a divorce attorney, like early on in my marriage, which wouldn't have been good or, you know, missing the first week. So, um trying to play catch up with that once school had started but it's it's been interesting just kind of being in like trying to implement a whole new system with a whole new group of guys and coming from a place like Columbia in the Ivy League where uh I'd been there for seven years the head coach had been there for I think 17 mm-hmm. um and, and you only get four four recruited players a year so it's it's kind of simple really when yeah when every year starts you have a bunch of older guys that know what the expectations are and they just kind of rinse and repeat uh mm-hmm. and you, you know you add a few things here and there based on what you learned the previous year but so this has kind of been like a whole new experience for me that i i haven't gone through in in a long time and then add on the fact that it's it's a whole new coaching staff mm-hmm. um yeah which is a, a lot of not not necessarily like teaching guys how to play the game but it's just like we have different philosophies in the previous staff and yeah right or wrong um you know we're just doing things a different way so it's there's been a little bit of a a learning and adjustment period on from all parties within the within the program yeah how does that work by the way since you you guys are all new right it's a brand new staff this season yes so Uh, our our volunteer was actually the ops guy last year. Um, okay. He had been there for, you know, barely, 
barely a year. So he's uh, the continuity. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But I mean, uh, I mean, obviously you're the only pitching coach, but in terms of how a practices run, I mean, you guys all have to kind of collaborate on that um, beforehand, you know, just to, just to get some, you know, some sense of organization, some, some good scheduling for the players. And that's, I mean, I, I've been in that, you know, in those shoes where, you know, you're coming in and there's a new coach and it's like, okay, you know, we kind of got to lay the foundation here. Um, have you guys discussed that at all in terms of like how you plan to lay the foundation for next year's team? Uh, yeah. So I, maybe not so much from like a, like a scheduling standpoint and how we're, we're going to practice, but I, mm -hmm. mainly so from an overall message and it's partially why um, I think our, our head coach wanted to hire me and I was familiar with him from being back on the East coast in New York city. But uh, like our overall message is just kind of one of like being positive. And I think uh, setting that foundation over all other things is what's most important for us. Um, like I, I want our guys to have fun every day at the field. And if we can't do that first, if you can't want to like have that where all the players want to be there and actually want to practice and want to get better, mm -hmm. um, I I don't know what else, like I don't know where else we we should even start from there. Yeah. So the the first thing for us has kind of been making sure that the guys are enjoying themselves every day, and that you know, they're excited about going to practice. They're excited about going to play baseball at, at USF. Mm -hmm. uh, and and more than anything else that we've talked about as a staff, we kind of want to set that uh, as the main tone and the main message coming from the coaching staff to the players. And yeah. I think for the most part, that is, that's happened. Well, yeah, and you guys are new too, so obviously you're still getting, you know, your feet wet with the team. But you make a really good point that it's important for um, not only the individual player, but for a team to just have this general feeling of, yeah, I want to show up to the field every day. Because as someone who just finished a 140 game season, there are times in the season where you show up, you want to, you know, you got to show up to the field, obviously, but you might not be in the mood for it. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, you might, you might be a little bit worn out but uh it certainly helps when you have a good group of of coaches and uh teammates around you to help with that so I, I like that you make that point um and you talk about being positive too are you alluding to sort of like a generally optimistic sort of outlook in terms of how you um how you go about maybe pitching specifically in terms of like more of like a learner's mindset um I think it's just kind of everything it mm -hmm. was really instilled on me and one of my previous bosses but like yeah i don't know i i mean this is kind of like maybe too much big picture stuff but like uh -huh. i might be like halfway through my life at this point in time like i'm 37 like what like i've spent i've wasted so much time in my life not being happy or just having a positive outlook on stuff and yeah you know, I like why why should baseball be any different? Like and Holy, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's important for especially in today's world with social media, um 
there's a lot of negative stuff out there just totally what whatever i don't know i just um baseball is more fun when you have a positive perspective on it like totally mistakes are gonna happen bad things are gonna happen on the field like it's fine like mm -hmm. move on it's it's okay like more bad things are gonna happen it's yeah. fine man. like i'm not gonna yell and scream at you for if you make a mistake i hope you learn from it we'll teach you how to do things better but i just i feel like not not just not just kids as like baseball players but people in general respond better when you have a more positive outlook and not even outlook but like more positive responses towards events mm. um, okay i don't know i've just it's kind of how i want to do things the rest of my life <laughs> yeah so maybe i could uh let's go through like an example i guess maybe uh you're watching bullpens um a kid's not hitting his spots um you can kind of see in the body language he's frustrated do you like to address that you know mid pen um maybe talk with him through it while while it's going on that you know that kind of like frustrated look and you can see that it's also affecting how the pen is going yes um uh -huh. i don't i don't like talking a ton during bullpens necessarily as far as when it maybe unless we're doing like some pitch design stuff and like we're looking for immediate feedback and things, but if we're doing sequences and stuff, I, I like to kind of just let guys go. But yeah, yeah. Um, when it comes to body language, I, I'm, I think this is an old Ken revisit thing from heads up baseball, but it's hard to, it, baseball is a hard game. It's hard mm -hmm. to throw one pitch at a time, but when you're trying to throw the pitch before, and the pitch before that and the pitch before that all at the same time, it gets exponentially more difficult. Yep. Um, totally. I'm a big believer in the old stoplight system. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, definitely. And, Absolutely. you know, I, I think that's one of those things, bad body language is, is one of those things that has to be cleared up and corrected right away. Um, you know, guys mm -hmm. are going to make bad pitches, whatever, move on, make, make your adjustment. Uh, that's that's how it happens in in the game, um, but bad body language is definitely you know when you can start seeing that like it's just wearing on guys, mm -hmm. wearing on guys as they throw more and more pitches. Like that's something that for me always needs to be corrected, like mm -hmm. right away. Is that something you've maybe seen throughout your coaching career in terms of um, maybe your better players, your better pitchers at least? Um, do they usually have better body language uh typically yes typically very you'll always like there'll always be that exception to the rule of a guy that just i mean he's up there yelling and screaming at himself and it's a fine line too yeah it's a fine line where it's like <laughs> oh he's just overly competitive right right no 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 he's literally like kicking dirt after like walking right. by. it's like um okay where what's he doing here you know i unfortunately was a as a player was a big negative self-talk guy and somehow made it through but i <laughs> i don't know i i don't know if it was more of a focus thing but mm -hmm. um you know for most guys that's just not how the world works yeah so yeah no i agree i've i've definitely been personally a player who was hard on themselves um i'm also kind of like an overthinker at times right uh so when those when those th thoughts you know on the mound start to run and they run a little faster and faster. Yeah. And if it's negative, then they yeah. can really start to compound 
in right. performance. So he said it. said something interesting. Uh, you're hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. I I like guys that are are that challenge themselves and are are hold themselves to a high standard and are hard on themselves. Yes. And but I think channeling it the proper way, a lot of it like post post outing post pin stuff like being demanding of yourself during your catch play, like being demanding of yourself. But mm-hmm. I, I think when, when you can get guys or you have a player that can channel that properly, I think those are, those are always the best ones. Yeah, absolutely. And it's almost like, um, it's almost like you have to f- sort of flip the switch from being yeah. process oriented to results oriented. Right. Uh, like, cause there's that picture that everyone sees all the fans see at the game. They see him on the mound. They see how they carry themselves, how they perform. But then there's the pitcher off the mound. You know, it's like, what are they doing post um, post outing? What are they doing between uh, the days um, or between outings, like the days between the outings? And like, how do they conduct themselves on those days that they're not throwing? You know, and you kind of have to be two different people a little bit, you know, like one's like, like you said, holding yourself to that high standard, being kind of hard on yourself. Um, and I've definitely seen guys who are like that, but then they carry it over a little bit too much into the in-game sort of aspect of way you have to carry yourself. Right. So you make a really good point. Um, when you have guys like that, do you, do you like make note of that to them? Like, do you, do you like acknowledge that for them or, cause some guys definitely don't understand like that's how they are um i know i've been in that position man it's like it's like a case by case thing there's some guys where it's like yeah don't don't mess with that at all <laughs> like yeah it's somehow working right now um right. but i i think with with other guys that when when they struggle and and they are like really they're very cognizant of their struggle of their struggles um and they are hard on themselves I think they miss, they miss a lot of the good things that they do as well. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I think that's also like part of that balance um, of being really hard on yourself is, you know, we, we can usually always find some good things that we're doing in, in our outings, bullpens, whatever, even, even if we stink that day, like, yeah, we probably did something right that we can find and we can point out like, Hey, we can build off this. Mm-hmm. Um and I think I can kind of, man, you're always riding that fine line of all, all different sort of things, but you know, it, it's almost like taking that guy that's too hard on himself and making sure that he sees all the positives. And then there's that other guy that's like, Oh, like, oh we got to play today. Yeah. Um, you know, being like, Hey man, we're like, we need to, we need to reel it in here a little bit. <laughs> yeah. some things. Right. Um, so you're always, always going back and forth with different guys, but at, at I think that brings up another good point. Like you got to individualize like a lot of mm-hmm. how you approach each individual. I was going to um, ask. Yeah. And I, I like asking questions to guys because that's usually how you find out answers by asking questions. Yeah. Uh, Most guys aren't like me and that they'll just ask a hundred questions while they're throwing their, their bullpen. You know, uh, most yeah. guys are not like that. <laughs> so and I always thought that was normal. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah I got to ask about like literally every pitch. But most guys aren't like that. So, right. Yeah. And I, I guess maybe going back to like your original asking about my initial experience here is that's been, um, you know, for, 
being an entirely new staff, not having recruited any of these players, I guess a couple of the grad transfers that, you know, we mm-hmm. picked up very late. Um, yeah. I've, I haven't recruited any of these, these players. They don't know me. They like, they have no reason to trust me at all. Mm. Um, and I think that's been like a really interesting thing. And I, I think they've never really maybe had someone like ask them so many questions just about the most random stuff ever. But again, that's like, that's how you get to know your guys better. And, mm. um, you know, just people in general, like, ask them questions that's yeah. how you figure out what like how you can connect with them and you know what makes people tick and and how can we you know from a from a, a baseball standpoint like how can we make them a better athlete like how mm-hmm. can we make them perform better um but you know that's that's how you find out if they are that guy that's really hard on themselves or if they um you know are kind of out there a little bit and don't really see the big picture of what's going on or what we're trying to get them to do um you, you have to ask questions of, of people, especially yeah. people that you don't you don't necessarily agree with. Like, why do you think this? It's, yes. not, it's not what I believe in, but like I'd like to know why you think something else. Yeah, I was I was gonna get to that. Um, and it kind of falls in line with the individualized sort of method that you've brought up. And I this is just my personal opinion, but I think baseball is getting more individualized in terms of instruction and like player development. I've certainly seen that on my end. It is definitely getting more that way and less um, cookie cutter, I guess, as people would say. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I, and again, the whole trust building, the communication, I mean, that, that all ties into it. So, I mean, ba- basically the, the thing that I want to ask is how has how is that at least like since uh, not even since you started coaching but maybe even since you got to usf like how do you how do you start that and like that plan for everybody like how does that how does that begin um well it's easier when you recruit players like the the players because you 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 know ahead of time Mm -hmm. um and i'll i'll go back to my time at columbia um we would get we typically get to recruit four pitchers a year and mm-hmm. we have a very small pool of players that we recruit from at, at that institution. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to qualify academically. It has to work financially. Mm-hmm. And then for us also like we're in the middle of Manhattan. So there's like three huge factors right there that often weeds out a lot of people. Right. So if we if if we had found someone that we thought was like a good strike thrower was really competitive and was going to help us get outs we couldn't necessarily be like well he doesn't he doesn't throw plyo balls like he doesn't <laughs> want to throw weighted balls like yep. we we can't recruit him so we're like oh he's he's a tom house guy like i don't i don't know any tom house stuff like we can't we can't recruit this guy so it actually opened it actually opened me up to finding out a lot of different things about a lot of different, uh, you know, we, one of our pitchers last year was a huge tread guy. And mm. so kind of had to start doing a lot of tread stuff and figuring out what they had going on. And, you know, we had some guys that had been to driveline and um, they like, most of them were all successful and stuff. It was just like, mm-hmm. okay, what's your routine? What do you like to do? Um, are you healthy? Are you throwing at the, like, with the stuff that you want to throw with? 
And if that's true, like those things, like, I don't know. I, I kind of want to win. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, if it works, like, it works. Yeah. yeah. So, but, um, but it kind of made me branch out into a lot of different areas that I, I, I didn't know anything about before that. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's easier when you recruit the player and oftentimes let's say if, if we have a 24 commit to us this week, you know, he's, I don't know what, what is that? Like 20 months. 21 months until they get to campus that's a long time for me to figure out what exactly they like to do and Mm -hmm. uh, maybe push them in a direction of something that i think would really benefit them um yeah maybe it's like an arm care like we have a certain arm care system that we use and you Mm -hmm. know maybe it's having them jump on that now so that by the time they get to campus they're totally familiar with it and that's Mm. part of what their routine is um and i think that's getting more um more typical now with with college baseballs it's like okay you've committed to us like yeah you're part of the program like you know we we want you to start doing the things that we're doing um hmm. i've never seen it that way that's funny i and, did not know that was a thing but yeah so i i think coming me coming into this position though it's been a lot of adjusting to what those guys like to do and mm-hmm. um I think the the previous pitching coach did a really good job of establishing like really good routines for the guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I, I'll be totally honest. I thought it was going to be like a, to, uh, like a, a real dumpster fire uh, as far as what their work ethic was like and, and stuff like that. And it's been awesome. They work really hard and it's been the biggest help ever having that. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, all right, well, we're going to take, what you've done in the past and you guys really like that and stuff. And we're going to add and tweak to based off what you need and, you know, maybe like some injuries you've had or, um, Mm. yeah. So it's just, but that's kind of where that whole individualization is, is guys like all show up to campus now, like having a routine and stuff. Really. Do you ever get a kid? Yeah. Like just, Oh, I, what are J van? You know, like, like well, so true. Yeah, I just yeah. like do some arm circles and throw. Like mm-hmm. those, those kids really don't exist. Um, I mean, at least in they exist in a small quantity now. So oh, definitely. If, I feel like when I came in as a freshman, even then, everyone still knew like arm care. Right. And pliers right. were starting to get like really thrown into the mix. Yeah. yeah. So um, you know, it's just kind of been seen with doing a lot of observing and mm-hmm. that's kind of what I've done and just trying to take notes on what guys do. And I, I think moving forward after like our shutdown period coming up um, for most of them, we'll get into a little bit more um, things that I would like them to do, or, you know, things that we've discussed as, you know, one-on-one and think mm-hmm. areas where they feel like they've, there might be some missing pieces so um but for the most part like they had a most of our guys had a pretty good set routine and it's just kind of like tweaking off of that yeah that's important too for listeners out there you know amateur players and parents um and personally too i've also gotten uh, a handful actually dozens of dms uh just from kids asking about routines like arm care routines throwing routines and i mean it's 
it's not like a secret either. Like you can seek out a lot of information that's public too. Um, and, you know, obviously it's not going to be like, you know, the most concrete thing unless you're like paying for something, but it is out there, you know, like having that routine is definitely an important thing to have um, just as a youth player. Um, you, you were talking about the fall a little bit. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about that too. Um, how, um, how long does your fall run until? Oh man, we got like uh, three more weeks for us. We we wow, started okay. kind of quick. Um, yeah, just because we we felt like the best thing for us was just going to be to get everybody everybody out on the field together. Like, let's start working on the culture. Let's put everything in place. Um, you know, next year it might be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm coming from the Northeast where there's like kind of a, a wall that you hit where it's like, we don't want to be outside anymore. <laughs> yep. Oh so, yeah. And um, now you get it all the time. Now yeah. you can be out whenever you want. That's the beauty um, of California right there. I'm really excited about throwing outside in December. I'll, I'm going to be totally honest about that. So, but yeah. um, you know, I, I think every, it's, it's interesting because depending on what you have and knowing your team what you know if you have a bunch of returning pitchers that you know maybe you want to throw them right away and get them shut down because they had a long year or maybe you have a bunch of new guys coming in next year and mm. you, you need some time to build them up or to kind of go through like routine oriented things like that and like you mm-hmm. want to push your fallback it's it's kind of a, i think every program that i've been with it's been a little bit different as far as what their philosophy is and mm-hmm. i don't think there's a right or a wrong way just kind of as long as you have a plan i guess is yeah most most important okay yeah i mean okay going off the whole plan thing um do you um well i guess this is more in line for recruiting but do you specifically have um i guess a, a framework that you go by when looking at players or when evaluating players, maybe recruits or your current players right now? Right. Um, I, th- I think this kind of goes back also to a little bit of my time being in the Ivy League was mm-hmm. we always had to recruit guys that could throw strikes. If, you know, if, if, if they were 82 to 84 and they threw strikes, we could find a way to make it competitive. But if you were 1992 and you're spraying it all over the place, um, it's hard. To, <laughs> it's it's hard to pitch those guys. Like yeah. we could we could at least out hit someone potentially if the guy's 82, 84 going strike. So um, I I thought that we had a lot of success recruiting strike throwers with upside, and mm-hmm. that's um, that's kind of the model that our our head coach has also used in the past, and he's had a lot of success recruiting a lot of pro guys from his previous stops. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like strikes. Like, yeah, it's more fun to watch. Like even just when the ball's in play, even if it's getting rocketed around and stuff. Like I mean, um, yeah. So I I I think it's I could be wrong, but I, I think it's easier not easy but it's it's easier to develop stuff from guys that physically have upside than it is to to teach those guys to throw strikes in a college setting and mm. i know pro ball's totally different but 
you know, unfortunately for us, like we have to develop guys and win games. Whereas, you know, that, mm-hmm. that 18 year old in pro ball at six, four, 170 pounds with a really, you know, he's throwing nitro all over the place. Like, yeah, unfortunately they can throw that guy 30 innings in Arizona, you know, in the fall and, it's all right. Cares if he sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's developing. That's how he develops, right there. Right, right. Um, that that's like that kid's not gonna. I mean, he might throw like ten innings in the spring in college, and he doesn't get. Yeah. Better. I guess he he could get better, but like, I I just feel like there's a higher percentage chance for that strike throwing guy that, um, you know, maybe is lacking something or uh you know maybe he just needs to physically develop more i think mm-hmm. there's a higher percentage chance for that guy to be a major contributor um than the high octane like high risk high reward guy and mm. there are plenty of those guys that have had successful college careers but mm-hmm. I, i'm just playing the percentages with with that yeah i mean that's a smart way i think uh, in terms of a recruiting standpoint now, once the players do get on campus, you've seen more guys, and I'm not trying to lead you, but would you say you've seen more guys who kind of just need to develop physically, you know, in order to to hit those, you know, maybe the velo numbers or increase some stuff uh, as opposed to a guy who just, you know, he already has all the talent in the world and just has to hone it? Like, I, I feel like at least personally, I've seen that more where it's like guys just kind of have to just grow, literally just physically grow right right um yeah and like you're you can you know like project guys out maybe that uh you know okay maybe he's gonna grow a little bit more but definitely like from a frame standpoint of like all right if we can get this guy eating correct um you know taking taking a a weight program seriously Mm -hmm. uh, you know maybe he's a we we dealt with it all the time like some under underdeveloped like northeast kids coming from small high schools and and or you know smaller areas that um they just only ever played before and mm-hmm. they were three sport guys in high school and they'd never really lifted much like those guys are super appealing to me oh um, yeah you know so i again i think i think it's easier again not easy but easier Mm-hmm. to develop those guys than the guy that you know looks like he could be pitching in double a right now physically and <laughs> yeah <laughs> but can't now, can't find know, a strike zone yeah right uh, you know has, yeah. has the feel of his, for the strike zone of like a middle schooler or something <laughs> yeah. like that yeah so yeah usually those guys get paid anyway and proteins yeah. like taking chances on them so oh yeah definitely yeah uh, i've seen I'm it sure probably seen some of those yeah. guys the last couple or the last year <laughs> yeah totally um and then you also mentioned um i mean this is kind of just the the brutal reality of college baseball is that you guys you know are so focused on you know the developmental side and it's such a key part of college baseball is like players want to go where they can get better you know obviously and get playing time but you also have to win games when it comes to the spring that is like the name of the game you know like winning is like the it's such it, or it's, it might be even more important um in terms of like a program so how do you kind of like 
I guess, balance that, that sort of like that philosophy. I know we've talked a little bit about the philosophy side, but like in terms of um, just like, just encouraging your players to like maybe focus more on the process as opposed to like the results. Um, right. Even right. though like when, when it comes springtime, it is about winning. Um, so I think a huge part of that is mindset coming down from the coaching staff. Um, mm-hmm. You can't always control results, but you can always control your effort level, mm. how hard you compete, your preparation. And I know this is kind of going off a little bit on the question you asked, but no, it's fine. Yeah. If you can control those things, oftentimes winning takes care of themselves or takes care of itself. Sorry. Um, It's like baseball is a hard game to play and it's a hard game to win. And if I think if you just solely focus on winning, the winning aspect of it, Mm -hmm. you lose sight of what actually matters in order to win. And if you focus on those things, Mm. which is mostly process oriented um if 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 that's what's important to you i I think winning oftentimes takes care of itself Mm. so yeah you know it's trying trying to get those guys that are are willing to do things the right way prepare the right way um one it goes back to like have want to show up every day and get better and 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 make adjustments Mm -hmm. and, and you know Hey, this is what I'm not good at. Let's try to get better at it. Um, you know, we're playing so and so this week. Like, we're gonna need to pitch in a lot. Like, let's get to work on on working on going in on right-handers with two strikes, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think guys that can finding guys with that mindset of if we do things the right way and we play as hard as we can and we compete winning will often take care of itself. It's so hard to do, but Mm -hmm. if you can get players to that point and get that buy-in, I think that's everything. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the golden ticket, honestly. Not like (laughs) for me, at least I think, you know, when you get a team, a full team to really buy into the, to the um, philosophy near impossible, but like, yeah, when it happens, Oh my God, like Mm -hmm. you're going to have, probably a really good team yeah so. yeah and uh, yeah like you said it, t- it takes a whole team too uh to really buy in um or to to make that buy in you know uh, actually yeah. um like yield good results so yeah. um and then you mentioned too like a little bit there about um like scouting reports you like to do whether you know during the season um do you like to show that to your players or do you do all that research more so on your end and then like to kind of uh, maybe control the, the pitch calling during games and kind of just let the pitchers focus more on like, Oh, I'm just going to throw this pitch. Cause my coach wants right. it to <laughs> um, t- typically I like before um, before a conference series, I like, I like for our pitchers to know who we're playing against, I, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily breaking down like super specific stuff about um about the opposing team, but, you know, we, we've used synergy in the past and I, I think it's good for them to have a visual of what guys look like in the box, kind mm-hmm. of like, it's like an imagery thing. Um, 
having an idea of the other team's like overall, you know, offensive philosophy, if that's a thing, mm-hmm. you know, who are their best hitters? Who, who are we not going to let beat us? Um, who, what parts of the lineup, maybe are there some, some easier outs that we really need to take advantage of? You know, are they, are they a super aggressive first pitch swinging team? Um, you know, we've played against teams before where they, literally take the first pitch of every at bat the first time through and we'll just set up fastball down the middle of the first like whatever thank um, you that's yeah. awesome <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna name the program but oh my god like yeah three games <laughs> every single time um so i i think more as a group having them understand who we're playing and what that mm-hmm. team is going to try to do and then taking your starters or your important, you know, the guys that you think are going to throw a lot and maybe saying like, Hey, he, like, this is the three hole guy. This is their best hitter. This is how I envision you attacking the guy, or this is what he wants to do. You know, how do you, what do you think your best way of getting this guy out is? Mm-hmm. Um, and then from like a pitch calling standpoint, I, I always give our, our pitchers the freedom to shake everything mm-hmm. that I give in the game is a, a suggestion. My, um, you know, my only ask is that if, if you do shake, just have, have a reason beyond, um, I didn't like that pitch. Like, <laughs> yeah, you gotta <laughs> be able to have that conviction. Plan, um, yeah. but getting guys to really believe in what they're doing. And if that's their own thought, then that's cool with me. Like, if, mm-hmm. if it's the wrong pitch, then I need to do a better job of, you know, teaching them why I thought something else or, you know, maybe what the other pitch was that, that they should have thrown. That's, that's my fault. Mm-hmm. Like, but, um, I mean, I've had plenty of pitchers shake off before and strike a guy out. And I'm like, <laughs> that probably wasn't the right pitch there, but you know, they, they probably executed it way better than what I wanted them to do. That's baseball. Uh, they, they believed yeah. in, they believed in what they were doing. And I, I think, mm-hmm. I think if for me and I, I, right or wrong, if, if they think they should be throwing the wrong pitch, that's, that's my fault for not having like been a better teacher or a better coach, mm-hmm. and not explaining why it's the wrong, the wrong pitch. That's like, that's part of what my job is. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I could be totally wrong, but whatever. <laughs> well, with each guy too, I, I'm uh, assuming here that you have, you know, you've talked with them plenty. You and you know, whichever pitcher it is, understands what type of pitcher they are, and there's you know strengths and weaknesses. And typically, pitchers who are smart will pitch their strengths more often than not, um, and they will they will lean on those strengths, especially when they are needed. Um, and then, I mean, it also comes down to like, if you're a reliever or starter, it's a little bit different there as well. Um, I did want to ask, cause obviously it varies throughout every program, but are you, um, do you like to, to have like a solidified bullpen, like lean, like if you can lean on a couple bullpen arms, do you like to go to no matter what inning it is? Um, like, is that something you like to have? Like just like a core set of bullpen arms that you really trust? Because a lot of teams I've seen will say, all right, these are our four best arms. 
they are all going to be the starters. I don't care if they've been relievers, like they're going to be our starters. And then other teams, you know, I've seen, all right, this is very clearly their first or second best pitcher, but he's coming out of the pen and it can be pretty effective. Right. Um, I, th- I think a lot of that has to do with structure of your pitching staff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. What kind of, I think your, your team makeup, like what is your offense like as well? Like, mm. I've been fortunate enough to coach on some teams where we were going to score a lot of runs and it was, we were going to give our offense every chance possible to win games for us. So if that meant like we're down two in the sixth inning and we felt like it was a winnable game, our, our best bullpen arms coming in and we just had confidence that we were going to do it. So uh, I think knowing, knowing your team as a whole um, plays into that a little bit, but I'm kind of of the mindset that if you're in a winnable game that, that you think you, you, you have the ability to win. You should use your best arm available. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't mean if we're on, if we're, if it's Friday night and we have a rotation set that we're bringing in our Saturday starter, <laughs> you know, to, to in the seventh inning of a three, two game or something. Yeah. Like that. Um, yeah. But if whoever's out there on like, you know, on your list, if, if you feel like you, if you feel like you can win that game, like I, I think you should use that that best guy you have available mm-hmm. um, or maybe it's a matchup that is right in front of you, like a left on left, or, you know, you can, it, it's an uphill swing guy and you have somebody in your bullpen with lift, like use, mm-hmm. use what's going to help you win the game. That's we're not trying to win tomorrow right now. We're, we're trying to win this game. Yeah. We're, you know, w- what are we saving guys for? <laughs> totally. totally. So I, I don't know. I, it's just, kind of the people that I've been around that's mm-hmm. what has been instilled in me and I I think it's a good philosophy. Have you seen that change at all maybe even since going back to your um, your playing days? Have you seen uh the way I mean okay just pitching in general just maybe in, in college. Have you seen that changing uh uh since you've uh started coaching or since your playing days? in terms of just general, like um, maybe talent level or just the way pitchers are used um, is it, and on the coaching side too, the way that you're evaluating players. Right. Um, I played at a smaller division one school in the Northeast and we were mm-hmm. pretty successful, like within our conference and in the region. And we were lucky enough to make a regional and, I pitched a lot in four years for that team. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't very good compared to like guys now. <laughs> like, I was like a mid '80s right-hander with no breaking ball. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't necessarily play these days. Um, yeah. So talent level has definitely it's not even close. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just not similar. Um, to what it to what it was when I was playing, uh, not that that was like super long ago, but it it definitely wasn't like right around the corner anymore. So mm-hmm. um, talent level is massively different, and I think, man, I don't know where it was. I, I saw an article the other day. Oh, maybe it was like a 
a tweet or something that was like 90s the new 80 like with recruiting guys and i was yeah like, yeah man, like man it kind of <laughs> kind of is it is <laughs> like man there's a lot of there's like a lot of 24s right now that are flipping 90s and stuff like that so um it's impressive i think it's it's funny too because guys are throwing harder and i, I think a really good example is we have we have a, a a pitcher on our staff right now that has a really good breaking ball and his his velocity he's, he's actually done a really good job um his velocity has gotten better, but like old school thinking of like, all right, let's establish our fastball here. Like, no, like his breaking ball is way better than his fastball. We're going to throw his breaking ball a lot. Yeah. And we're gonna, like we're going to pitch off his breaking ball. He also has a really good changeup that we just figured out about. Um, That's awesome. Like, <laughs> like he, I would be curious at like how successful he would be. I don't know, 20 years ago when everyone was like, all right, we're going to go in there and you're going to pound your fastball side yeah. to side and whatever. Like, no, this kid's fastball is his third best pitch. So we should probably use it less than the other two pitches mm, and like yeah. figure out how we can use his fastball off his changeup and off of his curveball. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think, I think things like that and like to, um, like the value of a pitch and like how good it actually is. Like if it's your best pitch, throw it, throw it more often. Mm -hmm. It's what you're good at. Totally. Like imagine, imagine telling like Roger Federer, like, uh, like don't, don't take your best, like whatever your best swing is. Like, no, nah, don't, don't do that all the time. Like <laughs> use something that's not as good to, you know, but then when you can use it occasionally, like pull it out. Like yeah. how stupid is that? It's like why, yeah, why would like, we even oh, think we're to not do that? Have Steph Curry shoot threes? Like, yeah, yeah, because it's too far from the basket. That's dumb. He's really good at those. <laughs> like, he should do that more often, and he does. Yeah, and I, I don't think I don't, those might be like really weird, <laughs> like comparisons. But like, do make sense. Good at yeah, they absolutely make sense. And you kind of mentioned like how more guys are throwing ninety now, but it's. It's kind of funny because not every 90 mile an hour fastball is the same. You oh. can have a pretty bad 90 mile an hour fastball and not even know it just because yeah. like maybe you are facing kids that never seen 90 before and you're blowing guys right. away, you know, right. in, a, in a showcase. But I mean, I can't even imagine because I've never done it, but I could see a point in time and maybe it's even happened now where uh, someone can be looking at the track man that is, uh, you know, behind the uh, behind home plate watching that pitcher throw and say there was 92 but he's got a, a dead zone fastball this is terrible i don't even like this is gonna get smashed around the yard so i mean yeah. i don't even know has that even happened at this point um because uh, i would obviously rather yeah. have a guy with a little bit more of an outlier you know pitch where it's like okay that's very clearly you know more more verdi fastball or you know he's got some true sink as opposed to that you know the dead zone fastball right. gyro slider that doesn't move yeah like have you seen that in the recruiting uh yes it's um oh wow yeah it's kind of crazy because <laughs> back then that just wasn't a thing right it was like right. you throw 90 that's great right uh there's so much more to it than just um it's i think of guys 
guys that I coached right right about the time that I, when we first got a when we first got our first spin machine and threw it in mm. the bullpen and um our, there's a left-hander that was at Columbia he's in the Royals organization now and uh, oh wait he is what's his name <laughs> uh Ben Wareski Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I was Ben was literally on my team this year. Oh my god! Oh, dude, I... <laughs> yeah, he he's gonna he's gonna hear about. It. He loves it. I talked to him oh, yeah. a lot. Yeah, so awesome, like awesome guy, super oh, yeah. competitor, and mm-hmm. like we were trying to throw this two seam fastball because it looked cool, like mm-hmm. like trying to front front hip right handed hitters and stuff, and we threw Ben on the old spin machine and. Like first fastball, it was like, um, yeah, hey man, like, remember, like, we didn't want you to do like that with the four seam, like, s- such good ride on his fast, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, was, like, I've literally, oh, I've looked man. at his numbers like, personally and been like, yeah, never throw a two seam, like, for sure, because he's told me that exact story, I think. Where uh, like, like, <laughs> yeah, I used to throw a two seam, now I throw a four seam, yeah, I've heard it got vert, and I was like, yeah, like definitely <laughs> yeah um just lit two years on fire basically <laughs> yeah but it's um, crazy like how if that never gets implemented like he never right. finds out that like but he's a force guy the good thing with him also though is he he threw a curveball and a slider and mm-hmm. we had uh I'll, i will say this all right this is what i did have on him i was like man that, like and I didn't have any data for it. It was like those two pitches, they're they're like they're the same velo, like mm-hmm. they're not they don't do anything different. And sure enough, uh they didn't do anything different. Really? But he he got them separated and I I he pretty much ditched, ended up ditching the curveball and got his slider really good. And I think when he did mm-hmm. his grad year at Rutgers, I, I think he added like a cutter thing, but mm-hmm. um you know it was cool being able to actually show him like, Hey, these two are the exact same thing. And you think you're throwing two different pitches. Like we need to, we need to make a change. And Mm -hmm. he was, you know, smart kid works, works his tail off. Like he separated those two and he made his slider really, really, really good. Um, Oh yeah. And, you know, I think that's, that's the other cool side of it is you can, when, when guys really start buying into that stuff and uh, not, not that they're out like chasing numbers, but like improving your ability to compete and improving what you have on. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that like for him, that was, I mean, I failed him basically for two years. I was <laughs> teaching him the wrong thing. Like, but then you made a pivotal change. We did. We did. We did make mm-hmm. a pivotal change, but um, yeah, that stuff's super cool. But I, even even without that, I still feel like he would have found a way to be somewhat successful. He might not be where he is now because uh, even without all that stuff, like huge competitor, like mm-hmm. just wanted the ball, wanted to be on the mound, wanted to like just would do anything he could do in a game to to compete as hard as he possibly could. Yeah, and even with all those metrics and stuff, if, if, if you don't have that, like, well, it, how much does it really matter? Like it's cool, sexy, but like it might get yeah. drafted, but 
I don't know how long you'll make it if, mm-hmm. if you don't have the ability to compete. Yeah, pitching at that point, it's all competing at that point. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, I feel like a lot of that stuff is just you get in trouble a little bit when you try to when you're chasing numbers a little bit too much and you're not focused on like how how is this going to get me to compete better to get guys out and mm-hmm. um you know to, to make my life easier out on the mound like that's yeah. that's still what the most important part of it is is like you're still trying to get guys out like that's yeah that's still our responsibility <laughs> that's so funny you mentioned ben though he's gonna get a kick out of this because i'm gonna talk more about him but he uh he also Go does bills. something yeah he, <laughs> oh yeah he's big bills moff he uh he does something really well. He was actually my catch partner uh, when yeah. I came back to Columbia um, for my second stint. Um, and me and him, we would be, you know, playing. We had the longest catch play out of anyone on the team. Absolutely. And it's because we were just natural experimenters. Yeah. Uh, just in that old school sense that we, you know, like to try a new grip here and there, um, you know, while maintaining our normal stuff. But right. it, that's like that old school sort of like pitch design sort of like way of just saying like, all right, let's just try a new grip and just see what happens, happens to it. You know, like that is also really important just for kind of getting like feel on the mound of like what your pitches do. And then you add the whole tech kind of uh, influence. You can actually put some numbers right. to the pitch. Like that's right. where I think it really can come together for, you know, a pitcher. And then I think one thing, I freaking Ben, one thing that he does really well and talks about a lot is, um, tunneling you know he's yeah. he has very repeatable mechanics tunnels very well is that something you look for in pitchers or that you like to kind of work towards with a pitcher maybe some the tunneling aspect uh yeah i think it makes yeah, like he was an easy one because his stuff like his fastball slider played off each other so well yeah um, but like it you look at some guys it's like that's a really good pitch. That's a really good pitch. They don't they don't work together at all. Yeah. And it's like, well, you can maybe you can get away with it up to a certain level. Maybe mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think guys certain guys in college can get away with it because um maybe their stuff's just that good. Um maybe they just have maybe they just throw really hard. Maybe they're a mid nineties guy and they're breaking ball doesn't plane off it whatsoever but the velo difference alone is is enough but mm-hmm. you see a, a lot of guys that things just don't look the same out of their hand and with how like i i don't know any well i don't know i'm sure there's some but like pretty much every college team in the country now has a hack attack and they're hitting serious velo uh they're oh yeah been in really hard to hit breaking balls at their hitters every day in batting practice. Like, you know, they, they have also changed their training methods. So if you don't, um, if you can't pair stuff up great and your stuff isn't really good, I feel like you're going to have a really hard time. Yeah. Um, with, with that. So, and I, I mentioned the guy earlier, our, our guy, the, the breaking ball guy, mm-hmm. he's got, like his, his velocity has gone up, but his, his fastball is super generic. And mm. it's something that we're at the moment trying to figure out, like, you know, it's not like it, it it's not a great pitch, but it, it, the perceived velocity velocity of it is really good coming off his curveball. It makes it look really fast. Mm. Um, 
but I think against good hitters, there's going to need to be like a little bit better, like stacking component to how he uses his fastball. And so mm. that's kind of like the next step for us. Like he's made some arm action changes and some pitch usage changes. And now it's like, okay, this third pitch that um, you play catch with more than anything else, like we need to tweak it a little bit. Um, right. Yeah. So finding, I, I still don't know what we're going to do with it. We were talking about today and he, he yeah. threw out a bunch of ideas, which I, I thought was super cool that he's actually thinking about it, but, um, and that he wants to get better. That's awesome. But mm-hmm. um, I think you see it a lot with younger guys. Like they're just, they think their breaking ball looks super cool. And sometimes <laughs> it does, but like, it doesn't pair up with that down and away knee high fastball. Like they don't look yeah. the same, and a good hitter is going to see that. Yeah, newsflash, a big loopy curveball doesn't work well with a, you know, oh. a low and away two seam. Like, yeah. <laughs> I learned that. I mean, as soon as I got the pro ball, they're like, why do you throw a curveball? You right. throw a sinker. <laughs> they're like, you have a sinker. Like, you yeah. should be throwing a slider. <laughs> I was e- like, exactly. Oh, yes. so yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, that's why my cutter, which is really a slider, worked right. well. You yeah. know, because it was there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's that, you know, as opposed to just this and then, whoop. yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah, I like to call those, uh, they're one timers. They're going to work one yeah. time. Yeah. It's and, a get me uh, over to get me over. Yes. Yes. And after that, a good hitter is usually going to deposit it somewhere far away. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you leave that thing in the middle. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is, that is not what we want to do, you know, listeners. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's amazing how this is like, this is part of, what goes into a, you know, a high school player um, as a recruit now. Um, I mean, does that, does that affect the recruiting as much in terms of like the, you know, Oh, does this do his pitches tunnel? Well, it's like, I feel like you, once you get a guy in, you can kind of change that, you know, you can work with him, yeah. buy some stuff, show him why you want to make a change, you know, like. Yeah, I think it, uh, um, I think some, uh, and this kind of goes back to every, everybody has a routine and stuff and like certain facilities that guys work at, they do a really good job with those kind of things. Um, other pitchers just are like super savvy and they realize those things on their own and they start doing it before they get to college. Um, and then, you know, some guys you just watch when you're like, okay, like we can change that. And like, it's a present skill, but we can, alter this a little bit maybe and mm-hmm. it'll be really awesome um so yeah. it's it, i think that's all like a case-by-case thing or maybe you can look at like the metrics on a pitch and you're i've talked to some kids before you you go to like a showcase and you read their you know their track report and they're like yeah, i'm throwing i'm really working on like this two seam and stuff and you're like like all right well yeah. um, <laughs> that's not a great idea. Maybe. You're like, why <laughs> don't, <laughs> you know, they don't, they don't, they probably don't have access to that information or somebody to tell them what's going on. Yeah. Um, so, you know, sometimes those guys are really appealing. Cause it's like, Oh, they're already pretty successful, but uh, it might be a hidden gem better, like, like yeah. without even doing anything crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, You know, I, it's all case by case. Like just, mm-hmm. I think you, when, when you watch enough 
guys, um, like high school guys, and think more so than just watching, but uh, communicating with enough people and getting a sense for how well they understand themselves and what they try to do. Um, you know, you can you can find those guys that where there's some like serious low hanging fruit of mm -hmm. what they're not tapping into or something like that. Right. In terms of uh, where you recruit, maybe not necessarily since you've gotten to USF because you just got there, but in terms of uh, the like the you know the types of events you maybe like to go to, or what you think maybe uh, in in a high schooler's eyes right now where they should be going to first. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I know it's um, tough. There's, there's obviously there's, uh, you can go to the actual colleges, right. Prospect camp. You could go to events, uh, like showcases. You can go right. to tournaments. Uh, you go to really well run showcases like dude day. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not trying to plug, this. but, uh, <laughs> what but, a, wow. What a shameless plug. I know, it's so terrible. Oh yeah. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He, he, you know, he's not like that, but you're but at I, his house I, right now, aren't you? You're, oh you're, yeah. I'm home. I am. Yeah. Uh, I'm home. Was that, is that like your rent for the week? Like, uh, yep, you right the there. Yep. Uh, but, uh, that is a good one though. That's a really good event. No, um, it, it is. And, uh, it's a rare one though it's not one that every kid around the country can go to it's right. limited you know it's not for everyone um so that's why i ask like what what are the better you know like public events more so that like that are easier more accessible for kids to be seen i think a huge a huge part and not just like of these camps and events and stuff is like an awareness of who you are as a recruit if mm -hmm. you are like right now, say like a 2025. So mm -hmm. you're, what was that? Like a sophomore? You're, yeah. Let's you start your sophomore year of high school. And you're like 76, 78. Like, what are you doing? You got work to, to do. Like, yeah. Like, go get better. Like, go, like, take a look at yourself physically. Like, do you need to get bigger? Do you need to get stronger? Like, yeah. Do you have a good delivery? Do you move well? Like if the answer to all those things is no, and you want to play, like if you're going to a camp at Texas. Like, yeah. It's like, what are we doing here? guys? Right. Like, right. Like you'll have yeah. a cool experience probably. And it'll be something that you remember. And maybe, maybe you need to go there to see some guys that are like throwing the ball pretty well, or like, you know, some big physical kids that are the same age as you that are really driving the baseball to be like, Oh my God. Yeah, like, like, yes, exactly. Oh shit. Like, like we have all had that moment in life where it's like, Oh my God, I, I am not as good as I think I am. Oh yeah. Um, but I think having an awareness of who you are and your level and the level that you want to be at is a huge, like, like first step in mm -hmm. where you should be going to play. Um, and I think all like kids should definitely play. That's how you get better better like you need to play the game but mm -hmm. you also need to if you're not if you're not physically developed like you need to take time to physically develop like yeah waiting for your like i don't know the right way to put it, like your body to catch up to your age like they take things into your own hands and like mm -hmm. go get bigger faster and stronger um yeah. if, if you're not at that level that you want to be at um like go watch some college baseball games i think that's like huge like oh go, yeah 
you know, if you want to play in the SEC, like go to L- go to an LSU Arkansas game. <laughs> oh my god! Tell me how you fit in. Like, yeah, you know, maybe maybe you're close. Like, you know, who knows? Um, but you know, like go to go to a, afterwards. Go to a McNeese State game. We played them last year. Those guys are freaking awesome. Like, mm-hmm. they're pretty. It's like they're pretty athletic. Their pitchers are super physical. I think it would shock a lot of kids to like go watch McNeese State play and be like, "That's a like they play in a one bid league." Like, oh my god, I need to get yeah. way better. Mm-hmm. Um, but understand like what your level is and what level like um, you where you really belong. Uh, and then yeah. I think there's you, I came from the academic world like that's a whole nother component mm-hmm. um you know yeah that's like a whole different ball game and like mm-hmm. we could talk about that for hours and hours but you know do you fit there um like it's right. that the route you should be headed um but i i think if you want to go somewhere and it's not like a financial burden to you and you think that you can play there and you've had an interaction with their coaches the best way to do it is go to go to a showcase at that school because not only i i'm a huge believer in this part of it like Mm -hmm. go to their camp and see how you like them if their head coach sits in the press box and it's like a smaller program or something like do you really want to play there (laughs) like i i don't know maybe you do maybe you think the field's really cool you love the school it's your dream school whatever but like yeah you can usually get a really good sense of how a program is run by how the showcase is or the format Mm. of it, or like, are the coaches there? Is it the volunteer running the entire show? Like, yeah. You know, I, I think that's kids want to get recruited so often and stuff. And they, they like want to be loved and, you know, they want offers and stuff, but like, it's a two-way street. Like you have to play for those people too. <laughs> you need to make sure that that is a place and that's a, like a personality fit for you. Yeah. And oh yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of kids miss that. Like, Oh, I did somewhere, for sure. Yeah. Like totally. you get somewhere, you see a name on, on the front of the Jersey, a school name. And it's like, that's, that's where I want to play without even, like considering who who you're going to be around every single day for the next four years of your life yeah those are the those are the people that impact you most i mean yes like it's crazy more so more so than any professor uh friend or anything you have that and and usually you can even break it down further than that like if you're a pitcher you should probably really like the pitching coach like Mm -hmm. and because that is the guy that you're going to be around a whole lot. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's probably too much. Yeah, I don't want to say it's more important than your relationship with the head coach, but the pitching co- for pitchers, it in in ways, yeah, you're absolutely correct. In some ways, it yeah, it can be. Um, and I, the, I don't know. This this is always one of my things, but like, I can't stand it when coaches complain about their players. You recruited mm-hmm. them. Like you have to be around them for four years too. Like, come yeah. on, man. Like that kid that you're recruiting, he might be really talented, but he's going to be in the bullpen every day for the next four years. 
mm-hmm. you're going to be in that bullpen every day for the next four years also. Yeah, you like, better get along. I like, can't stand it when coaches complain about their players. and It's like, dude, you offered that guy money. Like, you, you had multiple conversations with him before you offered him. Like, you yeah. walked him and his family around campus. You couldn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, I've done it. I've made a mistake before. But, like, if it's often you're doing that, Come on. Like, yeah. It's a two-way street. You got to be around us and we've got to be around you. Mm-hmm. You mentioned walking guys around campus. I wanted to ask about just your experience so far with the uh, USF campus. Yeah. Uh, for those of you that don't know, it's, uh, you know, USF, it's in San Francisco, yeah. which is, uh, <laughs> it's a very unique city. Um, yeah. And I've, I've been to your guys' field. Um, it's a, it's a, it, honestly a well like placed field for like yeah. what san francisco is able to do and the fact that you right. guys have the uh like the the player dorms that are like right there too yes. that overlook <laughs> all of san francisco the field yeah. and everything i think it's that is so cool. cool that's a like nice little touch like to add for players right um, but like what's what's been your impression so far just on san francisco and usf uh so I think we're really lucky with where we are in the city. We're up the area we're in. Um, it's actually, it's called Lone Mount. We're one of the highest points. So like when you walk out of our facility and you're kind of walking down onto our, um, under our field, like you can mm. see everything. Like, yeah. It's really cool. Like you go up on Lone Mountain and you walk around the main building there, you go Golden Gate Bridge, the Bay, Alcatraz, you know, Salesforce, Oracle Park. Yeah. You see the whole city. Um, but at the same time, like you go down the hill, maybe two miles, and you're right downtown. At the same time as that, you're up like on an isolated hill. And mm-hmm. so you can kind of make you can kind of make it as small or as big as you want to be. Like mm. one of the coolest cities in the world is kind of at your fingertips. But at the oh, same yeah. time, if you want to stay up the hill on campus, like you just do that. Mm-hmm. Um, How big is the campus, by the way, in terms of size? Like, can I walk around it comfortably or am I going to need like a bike? Pretty easily. So it okay. goes about like three blocks and then there's a small residential section. And then there's like the Lone Mountain campus right on the other mm-hmm. side of like basically a block width of um, housing. So for mo- okay. most of our guys, they live within about like a quarter mile of campus. Um, mm-hmm. They all have scooters. Like yeah, the electric scooters. They just rip scooters all over the place. Like yeah. there's uh, some decent hills in our city. Yeah, it's uh, hilly. It's <laughs> hilly, but that's fine. That's fine. It gets uh, gets the ankles, you know, in right, good position. Right. Right. Um, so most, that's how most of our guys get around campus and stuff. Uh, creates quite a log jam in our locker room from what I understand um, <laughs> during practice and stuff. But um, some of our guys have cars, you know, depending on whether or not your apartment has the apartment that they live in has a garage. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of our guys get around just by just ripping scooters. Yeah. And you guys, I mean, yeah, you mentioned it. You, you do have a, a nice little facility there. The all turf deal. It's right. great. Um, I think I want to say I've played on that field. I know I've been to it a couple of times. Yeah. Um, really enjoy that field, that facility. Um, 
are you guys you you don't even have to add to it really i mean you guys kind of have all all of it that you need right i mean we've we've got some projects in mind um Mm -hmm. that that we'd like to accomplish here moving forward um you know we've we've just hired a new ad at our school um oh okay so moving forward with him i think that'll that'll help a lot having having that like that head figure in place now that um have, having his support has been super cool playing in the nfl so big sports guy um different that's than important. a lot of administrators around yeah. the country these days mm-hmm. um so that's pretty awesome to me but I mean, we have some things to do but everything that we really need is is there in place we're right next to our locker room right next to uh the weight room it's all right up the hill from us maybe like a two minute walk so um that's nice that is very yeah. nice yeah yeah I, I i literally was just down at ucla to watch my brother and i'm like dude you know this feels great and all but uh, as somebody went to tulane and everything's right next to itself <laughs> like be having a field that's just like away from the campus i just i don't know to me it's like ah oh, I, I hate i would hate that so yeah. I, I mean the just the, the proximity of everything i think that's so nice coming from someone who's been literally at three schools like yeah that is such a big factor at least for me so right yeah uh, I, I didn't know that about usf that's that's awesome no it's in the last two institutions that i worked at um mm-hmm. one was a 15 minute bus ride every day for the players and the other was like a 20 minute van ride mm-hmm. and then like to the field and then like an hour long van ride back because of traffic because columbia yeah you were uh, at georgetown well, right yep yeah was that the first school wait that was that the first one yeah uh so at columbia they have shuttles that run back and forth because all uh, okay. all of their they actually have, a, have an awesome athletic facility uh it's all together but it's five yeah. miles north of campus yeah so that was um it has it it had its like positives and negatives like having that much space in Manhattan is pretty um it's rare pretty remarkable yeah uh, and then Georgetown was just an, an isolated field that wasn't close to campus and that was yeah that was a huge challenge for us at the mm-hmm. time hmm. well I mean now you're USF so you don't have to deal with any of that that's great yes. um and then I mean I guess just San Francisco as a whole like how do you like it personally like so far it's i mean it's different it's still a city but it's definitely different from uh from new york i love it everyone's like oh man like how are you gonna how are you gonna adjust like (laughs) being in a city it's like well it's kind of i I was fortunate enough that i i live like in kind of in the middle of manhattan when Mm -hmm. i was at columbia for uh about four and a half years i guess um and (laughs) actually more than that but yeah like San Francisco is like a sleepy village compared to that. And it's awesome. Yeah. The pace of everything has been way better. Like you can actually drive around like the streets are like (laughs) wide enough to do it. The sidewalks are wide. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. It's, I've really enjoyed it. The neighborhood we live in is super cool. Like I'm a big foodie. So yeah. I mean, yeah. California just naturally (laughs) has good food. Yeah. Um, do they have an Ike's up there by chance? Do they have an Ike's up in San Fran? I did not know. They had one in San Jose. 
and uh, it was just a, a sandwich shop that I would always go yeah. to. I don't know if they have one in San Fran, but if there, if there is an Ike's, yeah, I, I knew because they have one in Santa Barbara too, but they didn't go further south than right, that. Right. And I'm like an hour away. So I'm like, yeah. okay, I can't go an hour, but <laughs> it's like a small thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So I want to ask you um, a few, like a few personal ones. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe um, we'll, we'll start off with like favorite baseball memory. Do you have like a, like a favorite baseball memory, maybe one that um, kind of uh, reeled you into baseball, made you really fall in love with the game? Um, probably not, not like an individual thing, but I, I was, uh, I was super fortunate that my, my dad was a college athlete and mm-hmm. really good support system from my parents my mom at the time when i was like growing up didn't know anything about baseball and now she's a way bigger baseball fan than me or my dad but <laughs> i think not 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 necessarily one moment but just like the fact that i had two parents one that had played college baseball and you know i was that annoying kid that wanted to play catch all the time like he'd come home from that is me yep you know he had a he owned a restaurant at the time so like his hours sucked oh my god yeah (laughs) and wow yeah i was that annoying little kid that was like oh oh, cool you're home like let's go outside and play like we need to play catch now Mm -hmm. and i think just having that support of someone that was like all right yeah let's do it um Mm -hmm. and you know not not teach me everything in the world, but like I, I had a great time playing baseball as a kid and, and like other sports too, but it, so not, not necessarily having one memory, but just mm-hmm. like having that support as a, as a kid that like, Hey, we're playing a game and like, this is cool. And yeah, I'll do whatever, you know, having my, my dad would do whatever he needed to do to make sure that I was having a great experience. Mm-hmm. I think that was huge for me. Yeah, you mentioned the, the you know having having a good time, having fun while doing it. I mean, if, if you're not having fun doing it, like why are you even doing it, right? <laughs> right, especially as a little kid. Like, I mean, yeah, I didn't have a scholarship at that time, or like I wasn't getting paid, so mm-hmm. I had to be some reason. I I kept going back to the field and stuff. So yeah, yeah. I don't know if we covered this yet, but. Um, my next question is what, what brought you into coaching? What, uh, what drew you into coaching? Like, how'd you, how'd you get started in the coaching aspect? Oh, man. Um, well, I didn't really know what else to do. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And, yeah. Totally. Um, my, my coach at the time at, at Marist, um, who your dad knows very well, uh, he told me not to do it and against his uh <laughs> his advice i was like well I, I don't really feel like growing up right now so um yeah i just kind of got lucky with a really interesting unique position right out of college and um mm-hmm. yeah i haven't found anything else i really want to do that's so here we are <laughs> that's a good enough answer for me you know I, I have definitely had uh you know some talk some college teammates and some some pro teammates who are like i mean yeah i don't know what else to do i just want to stay around the game right you know? and coaching is a great way to do that obviously yeah. um that's awesome i mean yeah. it's it sounds like it was pretty simple for you you know you didn't even have to think about it you're like oh yeah like yeah 
I could do this totally. Um, no, no, keep a huge part of it though is, um, I got lucky with a lot of things and I think that's, (laughs) that's a huge part of being able to make it in college baseball. It's like, I, I know plenty of guys that were probably better coaches than me that you, maybe you're having a kid or, you know, you find the person you want to marry and you have to move somewhere and it takes you out of it. Like you have to, you have to get lucky and like jobs don't grow on trees. Uh, Like, you know, that's like, you can't like, you can work as hard as you want to, but if like the right opportunity doesn't, doesn't come up, like, you know, maybe, maybe you never go like something, something for me, and uh, it's part of why I end up in, in San Francisco is um, my wife has an awesome job and she works in music and like, this is an amazing program and stuff, but like, I can't ever work at South Alabama. Not, I, I, I'm probably not good enough to work at South. Like they're really good, but uh, <laughs> they are good. Yeah. You know, like I, my wife's job, which is better than mine doesn't allow me to work. There. <laughs> I see. Yeah. No, so, that's understandable. You know, and I, I think that's just like a good example of it's, it's hard. It's hard to make a, a career out of being a college baseball coach. Like so many things mm-hmm. have to go your way and you have to get lucky. You can work as hard as you want, but you know, certain things in life happen where this profession won't allow you to stay in it. And a mm. lot of it, Sadly, it's often financial, like with, with yeah. how coaches are compensated. Like I, I was th- 29 or 30 till I had like a full-time job. Yeah. Like, wow. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of dedication and time, you know, uh, to not having one in right. the hopes that you will have one. And, and two, two of those years, I was a volunteer at a, at a good program and like, I'll probably piss a lot of people off by saying this, but the whole volunteer thing, like not getting paid, there's, there's like 50 volunteers in the country right now that do better than most full-time assistants. Like, come on, like, let's. Yeah. Like, and uh... that whole argument from certain programs is an absolute joke in my opinion. I could be wrong. (laughs) I I agree with you. I I fully understand that there's uh, an imbalance there. I mean, it's clear. Yeah. So there's like certain programs that need to get off that, like, that mountain mm-hmm. like there's a lot of division one assistants that aren't I, I was doing better as a volunteer at an acc school than i was as a full-time assistant at a big e school and it wasn't close which is crazy you know yeah. because i mean it's it's not what it's not what you hear obviously right, right. Yeah. but I, I mean there's a lot of disparity with like the school that I played at, their pool for their two assistants is tiny. Mm-hmm. Barely, like the pool is barely full time. <laughs> and then they have, you know, and then they have an option to have a volunteer as well. <laughs> so, like, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Go back to my original what I was saying is like you, you have to get luck, lucky. I think to to really make it mm-hmm. in in this profession, and it's not always about like how how good you are. There's there's plenty of guys that are really 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 talented like communicators and know a lot about the game and stuff but certain circumstances pull them out of the game it sucks yeah but 
I mean, one thing sticks out to me. I mean, luck, um, I'll, I'll agree with you there entirely that it's a factor. I feel like you can get a little bit more lucky by being just a in general good person and having, you know, strong relationships with people, yeah. with people you work with, play with, whatever yeah. it may be. Um, the relationship Absolutely. side has got to be a big factor in that too, right? right? Um, yeah, I and then it's it's funny because I think as as younger coaches, it's really important to develop those relationships and mm -hmm. kind of figure out who you can trust and who actually is a good person and <laughs> you know who who you really want to like tie your name to and then as mm. you get older it's like all right these are my friends at baseball <laughs> <laughs> yeah the circle like, always like, gets smaller right yeah yeah, mean, yeah, yeah 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 um but i think part of it though is like like part of getting older in college baseball and still like um being around is when you see younger guys or you know you can help younger guys like just buying them dinner like mm -hmm. like i i, I think one one like a guy that i worked with um at at wake forest he's like one of the best dudes ever one of their assistants he's still there but he one of his things that um he always said was like always like never forget who you were and like where you once were and like take care of that person as you would have wanted to have been taken care of like that like mm. just buying somebody dinner on the road that like otherwise is gonna have to take money out of the 250 dollars camp check that they just got and yeah. like that's paying for their rent or whatever like it was a long that, way that like means everything so mm -hmm. like, i don't know i wish older coaches would do more of that yeah just it's like just as important as going to the abca convention and pounding your chest and you know arguing for benefits and things like that like yes that's important but like yeah letting those like really small guys that are just starting out like hey man like keep your head up keep trucking like mm -hmm. if this is meant to be it'll it'll happen for you like but work hard and if you ever need anything like here's my number give me a call yeah here's see you later <laughs> i have a good feeling in the long run that'll pay a lot more dividends than if you go about it a different way you know uh, I, don't, I don't know maybe yeah i i just i just feel like it's the right thing to do oftentimes so, yeah um well i hope it does for you yeah. at least <laughs> yeah okay yeah. i i have one last question yeah let's and, hear uh you know i i want to know if you have um, a specific recruiting visit that you you find memorable, whether it was good, bad, you know, funny, um, just not not a fit whatsoever, whatever it may be, if you have a most memorable like recruiting visit. <laughs> oh man, um, I have a couple that I can't really share from. <laughs> oh, they're that bad. Uh, yeah, like they were, it was really interesting, um, being, being at Columbia and I mm -hmm. imagine it's going to happen here. You would get some parents 
that would come to New York City and have a totally just like not firm grasp of reality at all like okay one of my favorite comments that i always got while i was at columbia and i'm i'm sure i'm gonna get them here it'll be different here but columbia's campus is just outside of harlem and Mm -hmm. people all the time would be like oh campus is so dangerous it's like have you been to harlem like it's not the 80s anymore <laughs> like i hang out there all the time the coolest restaurant in new york city is in harlem go to the red rooster yeah I your your like impressions of harlem are going to change drastically um so like yeah it would just be like parents just showing up having zero clue about the school that they were going to and just like dude what are you talking about like your perception of what's real is so far off yeah and it throws off the kid too because yeah, pa- you like, know their parents are telling them stuff yeah. it's like you and should probably like, just leave now and go somewhere else because you're not coming. yeah yeah so i imagine yeah. we're gonna deal with that here and that's cool but like mm-hmm. i i don't know i there were definitely some weird ones there where it was like that is uh that's a pretty horrific thing that you just said and i'm gonna just oh okay like, so it's more things people have said as opposed to like it, something that happens okay. yeah okay it's like what are you talking about but um, yeah yeah i can't i other than that i can't think of like a a really memorable like i've never i've, I've knock on wood i've been lucky I, I haven't had any like horror stories of like mm-hmm. kids getting lost or things like that. okay good that's that's good you know i, I hope you don't have anything yeah. like that that might have um, been the, like we i think uh we we did lose we lost a player when i was in college that was uh that was a tough night oh wow um, it was fine it yeah right but yeah they end up fine they, uh, they no, fine. yeah no horrific uh no real horrific stories for me which is um okay good good i hope we keep it that way yeah let's keep it that way that's yeah that's a that's a good thing you know yeah. um yeah i i just think about you know some things that i've seen and i i would i feel like someone you know any coach is gonna have something you know and yeah you, i know you do have something that and it's okay if you don't want to say because like <laughs> i i there's definitely things that it, you know shouldn't be said you know i, I do I, I will say this though i i think that those days are um fewer and far between now because of how recruiting works most mm. kids um so say it at columbia we we rarely we got to the point where we were rarely ever doing official visits with players we were just our we would bring them all to campus later in the recruiting process we you know this is our first cycle at usf so we're still figuring out how we're doing it but um so like if we had seven kids in the class or eight kids we would bring them all together for one weekend at the end of the fall. Mm. So the, the, um, the, like the solo recruiting trip where you're just with uh, a random host, you know, and it's like, Hey, make, like, make sure so-and-so has a good time tonight or, you know, whatever. Um, Yeah. You know, those, I I think for the better, um, those days are kind of dwindling a little bit. So yeah. Oh, I agree. It probably is for the better. As 
as college athletics has a bigger spotlight on it, I think coaches are way more cognizant of those things. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think they're way more visits are way more tame than they used to be. Okay, good. Also, yeah. I mean, yeah. But when I was getting recruited, I just, you know, I was seeing campuses as a freshman, sophomore and, right. you know, being so young, I mean, you don't know anything like why am, why am I even going to this campus? I don't know what I want. I'm like 14, 15. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Why, why do I need to see this campus other than for you to show me your, you know, your cool facilities or something like right. that? You know, I could just Google those things. Yeah. Um, That's so funny though. I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I know you got, you got some things and, and the parents I have. Yeah. I didn't even think about the parents, but I can't, I, I don't even want to get into what parents are like nowadays. I mean, you have a full parents range are usually of parents. the worst part of visits because yeah i feel like more often than not for a coaching staff that really values who you are as a person like for like and who the the whole group is um a, a parent can like just just don't talk like yeah you know, yeah like chime in here and there and like let us get to know you and stuff but um they can usually do a lot more harm than good actually yeah that's advice for parents right there is let you let your kid experience the whole thing and then you just right. help along the way <laughs> like right that's the best way you know that's and how that's that's how it should be done like oftentimes it's like you know is this is this is this the family that we want joining our program like if if you're going to run a tighter program, um, not do like mass recruiting stuff. And it's like, we're narrowing in on, on this group of kids. Mm -hmm. Like everybody's got to be on board with what's going on and, and everybody's got to fit. Um, not everybody, like, you know, there's some like cir circumstances that the kids can't control at times, but like oftentimes like the, the better programs I've ever been a part of, like it's, it's good families. Like the parents mm -hmm. are awesome. They usually don't meddle and things like that. Um, and for me, like that's, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. Like, yeah, no, no coach again, wants like, to deal I, with that. I have to be around you for four years. Like, yeah, I also don't want to hear from your dad ever. <laughs> oh gosh. No, no. That's red flag. Number one, do not be yeah. the super involved parent. I mean, yeah. oh my gosh. Like, yeah. For the wrong things, for the wrong things. I'll say there are some parents that I've become very close with, like the of, of players mm -hmm. that I've coached, but those those parents usually I've never had a conversation about anything baseball related with their child. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I want to be clear on that. Yeah, we'll leave it at that with the parents. But I mean, you I feel like you've covered a lot here and I just want to say thank you for coming on. Oh, thanks um, for having me. It's yeah, cool. definitely. Um, I hope I hope to be able to get this thing up soon, you know, um, so that you can, again, use this. So, you know, listeners of this podcast can use it as a tool, you know, for uh, getting to know what your program is like, because, you know, again, that is so important. And um, it's it's becoming it's it's always changing. Right. Like, how, how do you find out about a school? You know, so. Um, I think I hope this can be, you know, a tool for you. And, um, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'll talk to you briefly after here. But yeah. I just want to say thank you one last time. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I think that's it for for uh, 
for on my end. Do you have any last words that you want to say? I got nothing, man. You've been awesome. I You're golden. You. Oh, yeah, thank, thank you. All right. That is going to be it, everybody. Um, thank you very much.